Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome into the Denver Stiff Show. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Of course, I am joined by my two esteemed co-hosts, Deputy Site Manager Zach Mikosh, Senior Writer Gordon Gross. Zach, how are you, man? I am doing well. We are uh, one day closer, we think, to NBA basketball. A lot of, a lot of news came out this week, so exciting week, and uh, happy to be happy to be starting to think about some actual games being played. Maybe. Yeah, that's actually that's actually tangibly one day closer because they decided, or at least Woj reported today, that the the new start date that they are considering is July thirtieth as opposed to July thirty first. So good so on you for for working that. That'll in. save them all kinds of get hit right to the end. <laughs> Absolutely, that one day right there. Well, the interesting thing about that, the interesting thing is is that's a Thursday as opposed to a Friday. So. The Friday would have been an ESPN Friday, which they have contracted out, so all of those games would be on ESPN. Thursday, TNT. We're going to see which teams are playing on that day. I, I posited earlier today on Twitter that it would be the Rockets and Lakers in one time slot and the Celtics and Bucks in the other. Those were a couple of the, the games that were postponed right before the pandemic started. So that sounds that sounds about right, the the TNT crowd is really just trying to get the Lakers and the Bucks and the Celtics on the schedule. That makes sense. Like, I mean, there's certain national teams, um, and apparently the Nuggets are not one. And so, uh, I would definitely expect that on their TNT broadcast, they're they're going to want some big names. They're opening it up heavy. You like, you want to hit with your biggest hitters. So, yeah. Speaking of heavy, uh, Nikola Jokic is not anymore. Nikola Jokic is actually looking very svelte. If you have been living under a rock, let me tell you, the pictures and the videos that came out today on Twitter were honestly incredible. Just He's in Serbia right now. There's, there's a send-off for a coach that is currently going on in Serbia, or was going on at the time of those pictures. And the pictures of Nikola Jokic... He is looking downright skinny. This is the skinniest I've like ever a seen him. Model. Like, on, yep. honestly, like he, there were a lot of people that said, "Hey, Kristaps Porzingis, is that you?" Like that is that is the the bear of compliments right there for for a guy like Jokic who was consistently bashed for his weight for a long time. So, Zach, first of all, are you are you surprised that Jokic looks like this given that we're in the middle of a pandemic? Uh, I was a little bit, yeah, because I, I mean, it was a big question, I think, coming into the, the pandemic, into the lockdown, into the NBA season being suspended, particularly when guys, you know, they're not even able to come to the facility. You had to wonder, given the way Nikola Jokic came into the season, the shape he was in then, you had to wonder if he was going to go through a repeat of the process. I, it doesn't, though, surprise me that he went the other direction because it, it seemed um, that he certainly has learned the lesson from the, this offseason and the way he came into the year. And, and he, I mean, he was well onto his way to being in better shape anyways. It's not like Jokic uh, looked the same way he did in October, you know, in March when, this, when the season got shut down. Right. He'd already dropped quite a bit of weight. So uh, it's really, it's, it's, it's awesome to see that he kept on, uh, he kept on doing it. And then it shows, I think, beyond just the physical uh, improvements. It shows a maturity and a professionalism that, you know, maybe hadn't been there before. Gordon, you said you had some concerns about Jokic dropping this much weight. I know I know that you ha- you have your own opinions on how he plays like that. So just just share them with the rest of the group and, and just wh- why do you think that Jokic dropping so much weight is bad for his game? Oh, I don't know that dropping the weight is bad for it. Like, I'm glad if, if, if this is, you know, workout and diet and work ethic, great. 
Um, but I don't. This should not be his playing weight. Um, he uh, there's a reason that Kristaps Porzingis can't get in the paint. It's because he's a thin reed. Like you know, guards can move him. Um, and so you don't want your leading rebounder and your you know leading paint presence and your you know um, your center to be able to be dislodged easily. Um, and so for Jokic, if this is the midpoint of him, you know, turning into Pau Gasol, terrific. Like Pau was always in great shape. You know, Mark wasn't as in, in as great shape. That wasn't really his skill set when he came into the league. He was, he was more round than Pau. And um, Mark figured out how to stay fit. And he got, you know, he was big. But he was big and muscled and, and definitely helped his game out. Um, I would like to see Jokic look more like the Gasol brothers and less like Kristaps Porzingis going forward. Because he needs that big butt in the paint. Like, if you want him to be more athletic, I don't know how much more athletic he's going to get, you know, but there are certain advantages to the way that he plays the game that if you're going to have him in the paint, you're going to want him to be bigger than this. Um, that said, like, I'm willing to wait and find out what he shows up like. Like, if he's got another month to eat and put muscle back on before you you hit the, the season and he spent this time dieting and exercising, great. Like, he's done that before, though. He came into camp, you know, reasonably sized, skinny even, a couple years ago, and he had to put some weight on. Right to have the better second-half run that we expected from him. So he's come in heavy and had to lose weight. He's come in light and had to gain weight. He's, over the past four years, he's had a weight at which he plays best, and that's not his lightest weight. So I'm hoping that he does not come back into camp at his lightest weight. That's what I want to see. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm, I am not necessarily in full agreement there because I think that the way that the Nuggets need to play in order to be a championship contender, in order to maximize some of their other players, it, it involves Jokic being a little bit more athletic. It involves him being able to get downhill a little bit more, a little bit faster. It involves him being able to switch a little bit more defensively and stay athletic. Um, but it's it's well taken that, hey, this is a post-up player who lost a lot of his muscle mass, who lost a lot of his, his overall BMI, and that probably is going to make a difference in how much he can push other people around and physically dominate them. So it's going to be a test to see how skilled he really is, because I think there there are some people on one side of the spectrum who think, hey, he has a really great finesse bigs game that just happened to be at the size that he was. And then there are a lot of people that say, hey, he developed a lot of power moves that helped mask the fact that he's actually a finesse big. So I, I don't know how it's going to look. I know the last time that he was this skinny, he shot 40% from three. I know the last time he was this skinny, the Nuggets had one of the better offenses in the NBA. And they were trending that direction this past these past few months. But I think this could be the final step in order to get them to their offensive peak as a team. It really depends how they use Jokic. Like... I'm still of the opinion that Jokic on the on the block, on the elbow, directing the offense is the best version of Nuggets basketball, and he hasn't been doing that, you know, for a year or two. Like, that hasn't been the way that they run the offense. They've been going, you know, um, high-key pick-and-roll stuff, 1-5 with Jamal Murray, or him passing the ball around from the three-point line. Like, that's not the same thing. That's... That's not what I would consider to be a Jokic-centered offense. Um, I would say that him losing weight makes him more efficient at the offense that they're running. Uh, I'm not sure that that's the best way to use him, but I it might make it better for the offense that they're running this year. Yeah, we're going to see. It's it's going to be interesting. Um, Zach, what are the odds you think that Jokic catches a lob? <clears throat> well... <laughs> Uh, you know, I, while standing or in the air, like, like <laughs> right. oh, he's he's got to jump for it. There, yeah, there well, is no other way. I see that, but here's the thing: I don't think he dunks it. Like, I think it's uh, just like a drop in. <laughs> Wait you up, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll bounce it off the glass. Yeah, or, yeah, just a, a two handed layup. 
alley-oop layup off the glass. I could see it, but uh, chances, chances pretty low. I'll tell you this one thing though that I would say, because um, I do, I do, you know, agree to to a degree that uh, uh, hashtag Team Big Butt, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. The only thing I'll Let's say uh, about Jokic though is is if if being lighter makes him quicker because the the thing if and it's a big if it's not guaranteed that lighter is necessarily means quicker but if if he can do right. that then a huge part of his game in the post is also his footwork uh and and how i mean he's just one of the best in the league at that and and if he has a little extra quickness i think he can make up maybe for some of this uh this lost power with that quickness and with the ability to kind of get around guys just with his footwork uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see, uh, and and we'll um you know if if nothing else, uh, we'll we won't have to deal with as many uh, uh as many dumb takes from. I th- I think he so. lost the weight because of the idiots who didn't pick him in the um <laughs> in the thirty best big in the thirty best players in twenty twenty five because yeah. they thought he would be five hundred pounds coming to camp. He's like, I'll show you. And uh, <laughs> let's be honest. Those guys just away. forgot that Jokic was in the league, and then was like, "Oh wait, yeah, that's uh, a bummer." But yeah, for me, for me, my only thing is like Manute Bowl. Like, if you if you want to look at like weight versus foot speed, you know, I keep thinking of guys like Sean Bradley and Manute Bowl, who they didn't weigh nothing. Like that was you know the problem. They were skinny, but they were slow. Like those guys, yeah, but- they didn't have foot speed. Like that's not something that they gained by being. Skinny, but Hakeem was skinny and he had awesome foot speed. Well, yeah, but Hakeem was athletic. Like that's that's the difference. Jokic can be skinny. Can Jokic be like athletic? Can you see him? Well, I mean, Young Pau was like that. Young Pau Gasol was incredibly like he would dunk the ball and do crazy stuff. Now, when he was older, Pau didn't do as much of that, and he gained a little weight, and he just bossed people around inside because he's seven two. Right. Like yeah, well, and and again, I think the difference though between guys like a Manute Bowl or a, a Sean Bradley is again the footwork, right? Like those guys had incredibly oh, yeah. slow feet, and and Jokic yeah. doesn't like at least not on offense. Defense is another no, and, and Jokic Jokic is so he's so skilled and crafty. I'm not I'm not worried about Jokic about the weight affecting his his game necessarily. I he may be more versatile in some ways, less versatile in other ways. Um, I just, I've, over the last four years, there's been a particular weight and size that when Jokic is at his best, he's at, and he's not at that right now. And so I want to know if, if this is going to be what he plays like or the weight that he plays at, I'm curious to see how it goes. It's not what I would recommend for him learning how to use his new body going into the NBA playoffs. I think that's not a good plan, but I'm you know, you, he just needs to if get he puts some that. weight on, if he puts on some muscle, if you square up those shoulders, sure. Let's let's see what he's got. If you're going to actually put some meat on that guy's bones, that's what I'm saying. Get Jokic a fifty dollar bench press down off of Craigslist and like start <laughs> racking those weights, man. And just <laughs> let's go fifty reps. Well, I'm just morning, curious to know if, if he found evening. out that he likes working out. Like he was working out after every Nuggets game. He was up in the gym after playing a full game, racking weights. Right. And that's how he lost a bunch of weight and got much fitter during the course of about six weeks. Right. And, and, and uh, what we know there's is also a take here. There's also a take here that exists that, hey, he just might be a transcendent player who can play at whatever weight that he likes, and he's just going to be really good because he's really good. He's, he is a transcendent player. There's no right. might about it. Jokic is a transcendent player. Like, that's fine. But there's still, like, Shaq was a transcendent player, and you still didn't want him playing at a really heavy weight. Um... <laughs> I think they would have liked him to be lighter. I I don't know what Shaq would have looked like a as a skinny weight. person. Like I, Shaq never had a skinny weight. Like that wasn't a thing with Shaq. So different era, but like, but I agree. Um, uh, yeah, I, we're gonna see. I I I am looking forward to it. Let's play a quick game right now. I want to. I have rated every single Nuggets player on the roster, save for Troy Daniels, because I just have no idea what he looks like right now. Um. I have rated them all from what I believe to be the skinniest player to the thickest player uh, in terms of body type. And we're going to place Nikola Jokic on that spectrum. So I have, uh, I'm going to say a name and you guys are going to say whether Jokic is, Jokic is skinnier or thicker based off of these pictures. Bol Bol. 
Well, he's he's definitely thicker than Bull Bull. He, he's he's thicker than Bull Bull. Like, <laughs> right, like, I'm 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 gonna say so. That was that was kind of a given because Bull Bull. Let's is, not mess around. He's a rail. Uh, Will Barton. Yeah, thicker. Definitely thicker too. Yeah. PJ Dozier. Thicker. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm yeah I'm on the I'm team thick still. Yeah. Mont, Monte Morris. Still thicker. Still thicker. We're getting closer though. Jeremy Grant. Still thicker. Uh, I'm gonna go. I think he's thicker than Jeremy. I'm surprised you didn't put MPJ before Jer- before Jeremy Grant. Right. I have MPJ next, and the reason is because I think Jeremy's gonna defend threes, and MPJ's gonna defend fours. I you're assuming MPJ gets on the court. I love this thought. Uh, we'll we'll just assume this is in the year 2021. Okay, there we go. All right, <laughs> everything makes sense now. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still, still thicker with uh, Jokic. If, if you, yeah, we're going. Uh, still, he's still thicker than Jeremy and and MPJ. Kata Bates Diop. Still thicker than Kata. Yeah, I, I see. What? Well, hold on. I got you. Picked somebody who would come on. I mean, how much have we seen of Kata Bates Diop? It, it's understandable. <laughs> I'm, he his body type reminds me a lot of Trey some- Lyles. Let me get some pictures yeah. here and see kind of where Kata was at this year. Uh, well, that's ooh. probably about where he's at, honestly, though. Yeah, I'm gonna say, uh, yeah, I'm gonna say that's that's a push right there. Yep. Jamal Murray. Uh, Jamal's Jamal's pretty skinny, so I'd say he's thicker than Jamal too. Jamal, yeah, I, I he, had Jamal he messes you with Kata. the hair messes with you. It makes you think he's thicker than he is. <laughs> Mason Plumley. Oh, he's definitely definitely skinnier than yeah. Mason. He's definitely not as thick. Mason, not to say that Mason's thick. Mason's just a freaking muscle. Mason brick just house. throws weight around. We were talking about Jokic throwing weight around. <laughs> right. If Jokic ever looked like Mason Plumlee, that would that's be what fine. he needs to do. Yeah, see, <laughs> Mace racks the weights, man. I'm telling you, it's good, man. I mean, he just he he's a he's a good role model for Jokic. I think, and so Probably is so there. is Paul Paul Millsap, who is the next person I have on oh, this yeah, list. Oh yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Paul Millsap. Paul's got boulder shoulders. That's not the same yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Then Vlaco Chanchar? No, he's not as. Th- I mean, Vlaco is also. Vlaco is super beast right, right now, yeah. man. Like, come on. And the last one on the list is Noah Vonley. No, definitely hey, not. Noah is a is a big slide of beef. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like. So so we're on the we're on the side that he's he's a right around Kade Bates Diop and Jamal Murray. That's that's kind of the tier that we'd put him in. Right, and he's playing center, so I don't know that that's a good place to be. We're gonna see. We're gonna see. I I am curious to see. I don't think he's gonna be here. Like that's that's oh. like my concern is if this is how he looked on tip off on July thirtieth or whatever. Not that the Nuggets will play then. So let's go with July thirty first. I forgot They're Gary not Harris. opening the season again. Yeah, oh, he's he's thicker than Gary Harris. Gary Harris is. Gary's like well, Gary, one of he's the not skinniest... thicker than Gary Harris of two years ago, but Gary Gary skinnied out. Yeah, as like Gary is Gary like skinnier than MPJ. I would say yes. I, Gary is one of those guys. I think they're about is the same. Surprisingly, skinny. they're about the same. Yeah, yeah. But that's. Do you guys kind of more or less agree with that spectrum? Sure. sure. But again, that puts it's, them like it's, average. Yeah, but again, you're. <laughs> this is like guys who are built like that. Like I don't want him to be built like um, uh, Andrew Wiggins. Like that's I don't want my center to look like Andrew Wiggins. That's that's not helping me. Not We're my center see, who can't jump. He he does he he is going to have that grown man strength stuff that he didn't have when he was a younger player. Uh, right. Stuff that you develop when you get into the league. It's just it's just and being a little bit more wiry. You still you still have that strength. Like Will Barton, he's not the strongest player, but he is a lot stronger than he was even three or four years ago. I would say. And that has really helped him as as he's played and has, has had to face a lot bigger guys. And though he's going to get bodied by the LeBron Jameses of the world, like I, I still think that Nikola Jokic is going to be thicker and and able to compete with almost everybody, almost everybody. Uh, yeah, physically. I think six weeks from now, I expect him to have another ten or fifteen pounds on him, which might be all he needs. The question is, like, if he doesn't. I'm not worried about it at this point. I think he'll have it because he's already been doing all the right things during quarantine. It looks like his diet is right, obviously. It looks like he's working out. You know, um, that's all good. So I'm not concerned about it yet. 
does any of the okay and last thing before we go to a break does any of this truly change anything about what the nuggets can do in these playoffs I don't know that it necessarily changes things, but it, no. it, it confirms things. Like, it, like I said, it, for me, it was a concern. Like, what kind of shape is Jokic going to be in? Um, is when he got, you know, is he going to be? Is he going to stay in shape when when they've been at home for three months? And, and so now confirms that yes, he has, and in fact, he's done a very good job uh, in exceeding the in improving his shape. So, um, does it change things? No, but it puts you higher on their total spectrum of outcomes. I think you feel you certainly feel sure. better than you would uh, than you did before you we got confirmation that he's been staying in shape. Well, Jokic is a basketball genius, so I don't have to worry about him needing to play games in order to like keep his touch. You know what I mean? Right. Like sure. I don't I don't need. So there are some guys who I I worry about being rusty. Uh, Jamal Murray always starts slow, like. You know, uh, it's just something about the the difference between off-season basketball and real basketball. And I never worry about that with Jokic. Um, playing games is not his problem. Uh, and so if this means that his mind is right, that he's prepped for the playoffs, that he's all 100% in, sure, great. I think that sounds terrific. But I don't know that it changes their outcome as making him a better player. Being skinnier doesn't mean that he's better. Like, that's... I think Jokic is an amazing player, and I don't think he needs to be skinny to be great. Agreed with that. Uh, Let's take it to a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about some concerns that NBA players are starting to have about this quarantine bubble. We'll be right back. Back. This is the Denver Stiff Show. I'm Ryan Blackburn, your host, of course, joined by Zach Mikosh and Gordon Gross. Guys, Woj reported earlier today, we're recording this on a Thursday night, uh, that there was a growing number of players who were concerned that being in the bubble was not good for everyone's health. There are also some concerns that family members, people close to you, people in that situation that, that you want to keep around are going to be gone for a long time. And so let me be the first to say, no, duh. Like, that's what a bubble is. And if you're going to try and be in a healthy situation, you're trying to cut off as many people as possible in order to get this done. So I think that's that's a, a no, duh moment. But my question to you guys, first and foremost, can there be a quarantine playoff if a significant portion of this league is concerned for their safety? I'll start with Gordon on this one. Uh, well, it depends what you mean by concerned. Like right now, they uh, what was he saying? Forty to fifty people were voicing significant concerns that might cause them to not show up. Like that's a big deal. Like if you lose fifty people from your twenty-two team playoff or your twenty-two team regular season restart, I guess. Like yeah, that's a huge deal, especially if say four or five of them are from one team. Yeah, but but, like, but it, that it depends on the team, right? Like if right. if. Your 40, 40 to 50 players are from the Kings, the Suns, exactly. the yep. Wizards. Then it's like, all right, well, fine. Then let's just go do the 16 team and, and just be done with it. I think right. it's it's a bigger deal, though, if it's if it's the top 16 teams, players from those two, uh, teams. Yeah, but this is why I originally I don't understand why they're doing 22 teams other than media obligations. Right. Because the way you keep your people going forward is that you don't have a big run-up. You don't play out the rest of the season. You just start the playoffs after a you know few games of a preseason. you know, And you go for it. And that way you have fewer people in the same area for a shorter period of time because you cut out a couple of weeks of broadcast. So the, the NBA is trying to like have their cake and eat it too. And it's causing the players to be annoyed. Uh... I just don't know what the what the NBA Players Association was doing, agreeing to a format that like a giant section of their um, votership doesn't like. Like, what what happened there? How was their miscommunication? Yeah, I, I was pretty concerned because if if you were truly concerned, NBA the NBA executives, owners, players, if they were truly concerned first and foremost about safety, 
then the bubble wouldn't even be happening at all. Like this, this season would have been canceled. The, yes. the quarantine would would be upheld, and there would be no uh, no requirements for social distancing because everybody would be at home. Uh, what they came up with instead is perceived to be the safest possible way to deal with an unsafe situation because there's going to be a lot of money lost if they don't get there. So I think there's going to be some problems. And if, like you said, if, if 40 or 50 people decide not to show up, then it could be uh, it could be a little bit concerning. Now, there, there was some public information that Woj and Shams both leaked earlier or later this evening. Uh, the first of which with Shams was that it looks like the players, or it looks like teams can bring their two-way contract guys, or at least like a full 17-man roster that includes their two-way right. guys, and those guys can play. So that could at least give them some leeway, give them some some wiggle room if, if some guys decide not to go. But what well, they can also, also sign, sign free agents. So it, it sounds like guys like uh, DeMarcus Cousins are now available. They can't sign international free agents, which is annoying. So, like, Miritich can't come back or anything. But you can sign guys who are just sitting out there, like, you know, um, Isaiah Thomas or whatever. Sure. And, and um, Woj also came back and said that, hey, look, here's how, here's how this thing is going to break down, and here's how many days you're going to be here. And by this time, all of these other teams are going to be gone. So it seems like there was, there was at least some public uh, pushback from behind the private lines trying to get the players to think, hey, look, you're not going to have to be in here for that long. And there was also something to be said about the way that Brian Windhorst talked about this on the Hoop Collective uh, when he said, hey, look, this is going to be seven weeks of time at the minimum that you're not going to be able to see wives and girlfriends and close family members and people like that. So there may have been some pushback there in terms of not necessarily safety concerns, but like, hey, I don't want to be without the people that I care for. It's just fun watching them fight it out in the press. Like, why is Wojnowski like taking, um, you know, stuff from the NBA owners and trying to tell it to the players, and the players are responding to Windhorst, who's then voicing it on his television show. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, we're they've had you know three months to figure this out. Yeah. So. Assuming they arrive in the bubble on July 7th and the second round is the first time that children, wives, girlfriends, close family members, whoever you decide, uh, the second round, that starts September 1st is when is when it's been outlined. That's seven weeks of time. That's that's a long yeah. time to be without, like, especially if you're a guy like Giannis who just had a kid. Like, you want right. to be around your kid. And I, I would totally respect that. And there are a lot of people who don't want to leave their family while a freaking pandemic is going on. So I I am interested to seeing, Zach, whether whether there are going to be any adjustments to some of these restrictions or if all parties are just going to have to say tough luck and bear it out. Yeah, that's the um and that's the the tough tightrope you walk because like it's uh seven weeks sounds like a long time, but in the scheme of things, it's not really that long. It's not uh, uncommon for people to relocate away from their families for work for seven weeks at a time. And Guys people, on fishing boats are like, ooh, right? seven weeks. Exactly, yeah. yeah, and I get it. It's not. <laughs> this is not the real world. That, the military is like, seven weeks? Oh, my God. <laughs> exactly. I mean, well, let me tell you about the six months I did down in Texas. But, uh, you know, like, it, it, that's, um, that's the kind of thing, though, is it's really up to the individuals. And that's what, what it sounds like the, the NBA is, is allowing, at least, is that, you know, anybody who doesn't want to go doesn't have to go. And I really think that's, that's the key to doing this whole thing is it, is it, has to be, um, it has to be up to the players and it has to be their choice. And then they have to – I mean, my biggest concern with this thing still is how do you maintain the bubble? Like, how do you – It's health, yeah. You know, yeah, because it's like I'm, I'm totally fine with you doing it if you, the only people you're putting at risk are other people who are willing to accept the risk. But what you can't do is put people at risk who aren't willing to accept that risk. So that means if you break the containment of this thing in any way and potentially, uh, you know, spread uh, COVID-19 to other people who weren't involved in this bubble in Orlando, then – now that that's a much bigger issue and it's they're going to be doing this while also the park is open we're seeing you know uh, particularly in in areas like Florida 
uh, a, 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 you know, we're kind of starting to see this second spike, if you will, or rise in, in cases and in hospitalizations. Like it's very, I don't know, it's it, to me on the, on, on the health side, it's, it's very shaky. Like it's, it's sketchy. Yeah. They're, they're going to try and pull it off. And it's, it's like, like you were saying, right. It's, it's trying to make the most safe you can in an unsafe situation. But I, at some point, like it, it's it's not trending well. I guess it is it is what I'm trying to say for for this being any safer. It's right now things aren't looking great. So I'm, I'm I know I'm curious to see how they do that and and if they don't come back and maybe just scrap the whole 22 team idea. Like do they? They're yeah. going to try and save some sort of revenue, but do they maybe figure okay we're going to have to not get all this all, as many games back as we wanted. Well, and uh, the players are played on paid on the eighty two, right? They're not paid on the playoffs. Like they get playoff pay, but it's not part of their. Yeah, it's not actually part of their. It's not actually part of their contract. That's it's. it's and it's pathetic compared games. to the real contract for most NBA players. Like yeah. playoff pay is not your actual average pay per game. It's like you get paid twenty five grand a game for these playoffs, and then you know what I mean, right? Like yeah, it's, it's paid by round it. on average, and and. As somebody who went to college, I know I know how to deal with seven weeks of, of being in, in quarantine and isolation, not being able to see your family. But but we got to remember, these are millionaires. They aren't living the same style of lives that we are. They're they're Despite the fact that, like, hey, that, sound, that sounds pretty privileged. Don't get me wrong. But like, hey. Don't? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, am I supposed to feel bad for them because they have yeah. their millions? Like... I mean, hey, it, it just kind of depends because there, oh. there was also some news about coaches who who could potentially be held out of this thing entirely and may may end up losing their jobs because of their status as being potentially too old for the coronavirus yeah, pandemic. Yeah. And, and yeah. that to me is is where you, you start feeling a little bit of sympathy for these millionaires. It's like, hey, Mike D'Antoni, if, if he were to not be allowed to coach in these playoffs – because of the coronavirus, when's he next going to get a job? Because he's not going to be coming back to Houston in that situation. Uh, there's right. already some tension there. Like who who hires Mike D'Antoni next with coronavirus continuing to to float around and some of these stipulations right. just floating around about hey, maybe age is is something that we should be thinking about. Which is uh, a tricky subject too, because it's a protected status in the United yep. States of America. So um, that. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing, and, and let me tell you, I mean, Greg Popovich, another one, like you know, Agreed. I bet you, I bet you, out of those forty and fifty players who are maybe don't want to come back, about at least twelve of them have to play for the Spurs because their their team, their one of seems <laughs> like you know, Lamarcus Aldridge yeah. is out, like you know, their their legendary coach is a guy who's going to be is is at a higher risk category. Like, if I was San Antonio, I'd be like, yeah, dude, I I don't want to be going you know, basically get her butts whipped for eight games in a dangerous, potentially dangerous environment. Like I, uh, I get it, but it's, it's, what do you do? I mean, if the NBA, like you, you, again, that's that balance, like you, and it's one thing, like you can, you could eliminate the Spurs, like you can easy enough, but like, you know, the Rockets are a playoff team. And like, they're a team that in, it certainly I'm sure feels that they have a legitimate shot at winning the title right now. So how do you, how do you tell them that they can't have their head coach or even even some of the other things that have been talked to, uh, talked about, like, you know, that he won't be uh, on the sidelines or whatever. So I don't know if he's like up right. in a suite or something like that or how that works. Like, you know, is, is it like the NFL? They're going to have <laughs> like headsets. Yeah. Trying to cool down the <laughs> yeah. They just, exactly. they just put him like a, like a tablet with like a on, on the chair and just FaceTime it. Like, what are they, you know, a lot of different ways you can go. But uh I, I it, it's hard to s- not say that puts the Rockets at a disadvantage no matter what. Like, right. So I don't, I don't. It's tricky. Like, it, it, I, I don't have the answer. I, you know, like I don't know what they should do. Like that, the answer is like you know, don't do it. Like cancel the season. And the only way to be hundred percent safe is to not do it. So like that's like I said, it's it's a risk that they're gonna have to be willing to accept, and it's risk that they have to find a way to mitigate so that this doesn't cause further damage to the public at large. Zach is out here with the abstinence NBA speech. (laughs) (laughs) AC Green would be proud. (laughs) You know, it's so, so so it's funny. It's funny that you just bring up that. 
I have sitting here in my office. AC Green, if you met him, would give you like, you know, this is back when like Beanie Babies were, were all the rage. So right. he had his own like personal AC Green, like Beanie Green Beanie Baby Bear. And I had like right here in my office, I have, I sure enough have signed by AC Green, a, <laughs> an AC Green Bear. Any way to maintain your abstinence, it's probably to, to keep around a green beanie bear uh, where, wherever you go and, and bring it into any relationship you have. Uh, yeah, it, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's not fetching enough on eBay yet, so. <laughs> yeah, just keep sitting on that thing, man. Uh, from a, quickly from a Nuggets perspective before we hit another break, uh, I can't really imagine Nikola Jokic being without his family, without his brothers for over six weeks. I can't really imagine Paul Millsap not being able to see his family for that long. Uh, the Nuggets may not be the team that's most affected by it, but you never know. There could be some things, and there could definitely be some Nuggets players who are like, hey, I don't really want to deal with this. Like This this doesn't sound like a lot of fun. I would prefer instead to come up with a different situation where I can bring my family or just not play it at all because I don't, I don't want to go to Disney World for six weeks and just train. Because I I can I can understand why they wouldn't be very excited about that prospect. I'm sorry, I just realized that this is an abstinence bear. Like I, this is. I yeah, I, I just brought that up to you. I don't even know. <laughs> I have not paid attention at all. I just was like, oh, this whole that, time. Like, this is on my show for how long? Like, yeah. That was a long time. I don't I don't man. think maybe it's serving oh. its intended purpose, Zach. If you just figured that out. Nope. Let's let's hit another break. When we come back, we're gonna talk some basketball. All right, we're back. Denver Stiff Show. Ryan Blackburn here, of course, joined by Mr. Abstinence himself. Zach Mikosh and, and Gordon Gross on the other line as well. Uh, guys, let's close I'm with some abstinence. Actual... I just thought I should throw that Ant- out there. Anti-abstinence. So, man, man after my own heart. <laughs> You're way off the rails. That's a little, that's a little <laughs> sus. Uh, uh, let's close with some on-court basketball talk because that's one of the exciting things about getting back into this situation is that we can actually talk about basketball. We we can actually talk about some of the some of these strategies, some of the these some of these actual matchups that may start occurring. Uh, we don't know what the regular season is going to look like, but heading into the playoffs, I want to get your guys' pulse on the Nuggets' chances of making a deep playoff push. So, on a scale of one to ten, what is your belief level in the Nuggets making at least the Western Conference Finals? I uh I'm gonna go with like a three, maybe a four. <laughs> okay. It's it's not it's not a, a criticism on the Nuggets. It's, it's nope. that they're gonna have to beat one of the LA teams to get there, and I just don't see it. Like I just that's that uh, that's what that's what I would put it at. If you tell ask me what is their chance of beating the Clippers in a seven game series, I'd say maybe like thirty percent. Like that's, that's hey, but it's so be. weird with no home court, man. Like right? the weirdest thing about the Nuggets right now is that they play very well away from Pepsi Center. And nobody has any supporting fans. So who cares? Like, the Lakers aren't going to have any more fans than anybody else. There's no L.A. nightlife. Like, it's it's such a weird thing to have to predict. Like, how are the Nuggets going to do? I don't know. They've never played like this. None of them have ever played in a tournament like this. Nobody in the NBA has ever done this. Like, maybe some guys who played in the G League, if they trapped you in a bubble in the G League. Like, those guys are used to playing in front of several hundred people. You know, but right. it's it, it, you're you're having some high level scrimmages as actual playoff contests, and I don't know how to predict that. Like, I don't know who's gonna be best at that. Is it the old like the old heads? You know, all your veterans because they've seen everything. I don't know. They're pretty set in like what they've done. Is it the young kids? I tend to think you it's know? the younger guys because they're they're closer to the to remembering that experience of not playing in big gyms. I mean, I agree. Most of these guys have been playing like in. AAU ball, you know, and, and whatnot, but they still like the, the, you know, a guy like Jamal Murray is what the, you know, uh, maybe 
six years removed from not from playing in 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 high school gyms and things like that like there's there's versus or i mean especially Jokic, like you know Jokic definitely remembers playing in uh playing professional basketball in tiny tiny little arenas so like those yeah, guys well, yeah, think, but Jokic, yeah he remembers he remembers the the mile he remembers the pepsi center man oh yeah well like, yeah and, and those when guys we had too. eight thousand people there and that was generous i'm just saying there you know there's probably some pretty pretty low attended games back in uh serbia when he was first getting started uh so what i think though is is it it's the guys like the lebron jameses right the the chris pauls the guys who have been playing in front of packed stadiums who have been stars who are used to like the whole the theater and the the whole the whole crowd and motive getting motivated for that like those are the guys i think that are probably gonna have the hardest time adjusting to going back to just playing in a gym but at the same time you know i mean look at look at look at what we saw on the 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 Bulls documentary with with Michael Jordan and on the Dream Team like he it was a it was a scrimmage and and he still played that game like it was uh, the most important thing going on so at some point greatness does just transcend the environment anyway so that could be the argument the other way towards those those great vets like LeBron um, or Kawhi guys like that so I again it's like Gordon said I mean I don't know I can I could argue it either way it's it's hard to say. I think, though, hopefully the younger guys uh, are going to be better suited because the Nuggets are a younger team. So that's that's just what I'm going to go with. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I wanted to play out in our favor. That would be great. <laughs> like, because we still don't know what's going on with the coronavirus. Like, I, there are a number of people who, you know, have concerns uh, about opening up at this point. Death totals are still going up. Like, I don't know how much... Um, you know, we're going to see go up between now and when the NBA is supposed to get together in July. Like, the NBA can still call this off. So all that uncertainty, the team that handles uncertainty the best, uncertainty in novel situations. Like, the teams that can ground and be like, this is just basketball. I know it's weird with no fans, and I know it's weird playing scrimmages for the ultimate prize in basketball. Uh, Good luck with you. Like, you know, here's how we're going to do that. Um. And have to generate their own intensity. Like, you're not going to be able to feed off the crowd. You know, you hit the greatest three-pointer with, like, three seconds left. You can, like, hop around yourself. Like, no one's going to help you with that. Like, there's no crowd <laughs> performance. There's no replay. There's, you know what I mean? Yeah, you, you, you're like, yep, I hit it. Okay, next shot. Let's go. Like, <laughs> the the guys that, that can handle that, that can generate their own hype and get their own energy up and play like it's for everything when it feels like it's for nothing – those are the guys who are going to do well. And I hope the Nuggets have enough of those guys. I really do think that Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray are two guys who would be geared towards that. We we have seen that Jamal likes to get yeah. the crowd going, but he also likes to trash talk. He also likes to get under the skin of other players, and he feeds off of that environment as well. And Nikola Jokic, you just roll out the ball. I have no no questions about his ability to handle this environment. Like he's, he's yep. just not, I'm not, going I'm not to, worried about that. He's going to be fine. Yeah. He's, he's a basketball yep. savant. He's a basketball genius. Like those guys translate. We know this. Um, in terms of a number, I'm going to give you guys a strong six to maybe a seven. And here's why we've heard so many positive things about Jokic and Murray coming out of the nuggets camp. Uh, both of those guys have, They've, they've had rave reviews in terms of how they're looking, how they're approaching this. And those are the two most important guys when it comes down to it. So it really comes down to, do you believe in those guys? Do you believe in Jokic? Do you believe in him as a first option on a championship team? Do you believe in Murray? Do you believe in him as somebody who can elevate his game in an environment like this and really take the next step as a player? I believe in his ability to be able to do that. I understand if you guys don't, if, if, Gordon, I know that you've been on the other side of the spectrum, but I think it really comes down to your two best guys, your three best guys in these close games, who you can rely on. The Nuggets, they have the best chemistry in the NBA in terms of knowing their knowing their teammates. Their lineup, their starting unit has played 200 more minutes than any other starting unit in the NBA. Like I think there are a lot of advantages there that they are going to come into this break with. And they're they're gonna look good. That's my prediction. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it, it's it's certainly a fair prediction. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I think 
what, what would concern me is, I know Jokic is going to be good. I don't have really any concerns there. Jokic is always, even in his off games, is still yep. better than most players on the court anyway. So, like, and and we've seen, there, there aren't really any questions like there were last year. We've seen it in the playoffs. Like, he certainly can put it into another gear and play his best uh, when it matters most. The thing for me is what we saw last year with Murray in the playoffs was some really great moments, and he overall played very well. But there were times when he was not so good, and particularly in that first series, and it could have cost the Nuggets play series. They were very close to that getting that letting that San Antonio series get out of hand early. If it's funny because if it wasn't for Murray. Um, they very well go down 0-2 going back to San Antonio and probably don't even win that series. And he saved their bacon in game two there. But the thing that I guess I don't know is if Murray is off in a crucial moment, who is the third guy who steps up for the Nuggets? Is it going to be right. Michael Porter Jr.? Is he going to even play? Uh, is it going to be Will Barton or Gary Harris? Are they going to depend on Paul Millsap? Like, Nobody there I feel great about um, in that third man role, and so that's where... They all have the potential, right? but like it's it's a matter of, like I think Will Barton definitely wants to get his back from last playoffs when he got benched right. because he was coming back off that injury and uh, just couldn't play at the level he expected of himself. Like I, I definitely feel like, from a competitive standpoint, Will Barton has some shit to prove in these playoffs. Like... So does Gary Harris, for that matter. Yeah, for sure. yeah, but I, I just know that Gary is more than happy to uh, let other people dictate stuff. Like, Gary wants to fill in and help. Uh, Gary's not a scorer. He's not a guy who puts up volume numbers. He's he wants to lock shooter. up. He wants to lock up the best scorer on the wing for the other team. Like, he wants to do his job. His, yeah, that, like, he and he knows his what his role. job is. But, it's, but Will Barton is, is your guy, so for me... Like, I would like it to be Michael Porter Jr., but I, I don't know that you should be putting that on him after, you know, marginalizing him for the entire year. Um, I would expect it to be Will Barton because Will knows what it takes and Will is fearless for good and bad. Will is fearless. He's not afraid to take shots. He's not afraid to, you know, put it on his own shoulders. Uh, I would expect that guy, if it's not Murray that night, for it to be Will Barton. And so I'm glad that they're all healthy. Like, the best thing about the Nuggets right now is that everybody is healthy. Like, it, it's been years since it everybody really has. on the Nuggets really was has. healthy. So, you know, we're going to a shortened rotation, and that's great, but all those guys should be at 100%. Like, they might have a little rust on them, you know, but it's not going to be, well... You know, Will Barton has a high ankle sprain and Gary Harris is still having problems with his knee. And you know what I mean? Like, sure. it's none of that yeah. stuff anymore. And that's great. That's great for the entire playoffs because while, while yep. this is going to be, everybody's going to be rusty. Everybody's going to look a little bit off. But, like, at least most of the NBA is healthy in this situation. They're, they've had they've had their time. You might even see guys like Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins get back there for Portland. Kevin Durant. Uh I, I we're we're probably not. I think he actually said Kevin Durant actually said that he's yeah. not going to play. Um, and nor is Kyrie Irving, by the way. So those guys they shouldn't. They are they shouldn't play. Yeah, they're they're kind of independent from the situation. But like a Justice Winslow, who's been dealing with injuries the right. entire time, maybe he gets to prove himself. So there are going to be a lot of situations like that. And Michael Porter Jr. was dealing with a sprained ankle that we found out was a little bit worse than we thought. Uh, after the fact, so yep. he's had plenty of time to recover from that, and maybe that's all the difference. So, and that maybe that allows him to get those minutes out of the gate that he needs as that eighth guy, you know, to solidify his 15 20 yeah. minutes a game in the playoffs that gives them the opportunity to play him because he's not going to be injured. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, let's actually transition into that because I, I want to talk about the minute breakdown for with you guys. I have different categories of, of guys, and we're going to play kind of a matchup battle between who's going to play more playoff minutes. I'm going to assume that we know that Jokic and Murray are going to lead the Nuggets in minutes, or they're at least guaranteed to play high minute totals. I don't think any yeah. other player on this roster is guaranteed to play a high minute total just based off of who the Nuggets could be playing. Murray's going to play. We know that. Jokic is going to play. We know that. Do we have any qualms there? 
Nope. nope. So. If we did, we have other problems, and I have to go take you guys out behind the woodshed. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so who plays more playoff minutes between Gary Harris and Will Barton? Barton. Oh, sorry, I had to... It wasn't. It wasn't your 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 topic that was boring me. I just had to yawn there though to get through. It's definitely Will Barton. It's definitely Will Barton. I think. Um, well, actually, you know, the thing is, it's going to be close because it kind of depends. I think somewhat on matchups. If you get a Houston, um, or or over say Oklahoma City, perhaps you would probably play Gary Harris more because Houston's got two guys in Harden and Westbrook that are pretty much going to keep Gary Harris busy. You could keep him busy 40 minutes a game trying to defend those two guys, whereas, you know, Oklahoma City, uh, maybe not as much of a concern at the guards. I, I, well, would push that, I would push that even further to all of these first-round playoff opponents that the Nuggets could be facing because you've, you've got Oklahoma City, who has Chris Paul, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Dennis Schroeder, they like to play all three of those guys at the same time. You may be in a situation right. where you need Gary Harris on the floor. Uh, I, I hear you guys. You feel a lot um, better is about Is there some reason that you think that Gary Harris is that much better a defender than Will Barton this year? Well, what I was saying, uh, he is, I would say he's he's a little bit better for sure. I mean, not Will has been a very good defender too, but uh, you feel better about putting Will Barton on uh, Dennis Schroeder than you do about putting Will Barton on James Harden is, what I guess, what I'm saying. Like, you... You are probably, and I think Coach Malone feels that way too. Like we know, we know how who he thinks is his best defender or what, yeah, his top two defenders true. on his team. So like he's gonna, I think, against the team, especially against the team against Houston. I mean, we've seen him do it, right? Like that's what he does. He's gonna put Gary Harrison and Tory Craig on those guys, right. which means that's gonna eat into Will Barton's minutes. Uh, whereas I think a team like an Oklahoma City. Or, you know, even a team like Utah where, yeah, you've got Donovan Mitchell, but outside of Donovan Mitchell, like, you know, I mean, Mike Connolly isn't that huge of a threat. There's um, probably some other guys who play for the Jazz, you know, on the wings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they have other guys. Hey, they have Jordan Clarkson the gave the Nuggets buckets last that, Well, the, and the he, last he's been big, right. Played. Yeah, Jordan Clarkson's been big for Utah after being like, you know, I mean, oh, yeah. he was awful when he was in Cleveland. Uh, a few years back, but he has made a resurgence now here in uh, with with Utah. But um, again, it's not we're not talking Russell Westbrook and James Harden. So that's what I'm saying. Like I think the matchups uh, somewhat are it is somewhat dependent on that because only Houston is the team who has two MVPs in their backcourt, whereas everybody else you you've probably got one guy yeah that you're concerned with, but um, none of them okay. would be would measure up, I guess. So you're both going with Barton, uh, though Gary Harris. I really do think he's a sleeper. I'd say, because I'd I'd say Barton unless they, unless they play Houston. Yeah, and that's fair. Like, but even I just if think they you guys are underrating Houston. the scoring, man. Like, if, if you're going to play Houston, you better score. And if Gary Harris isn't scoring, then whatever his defense is, keeping somebody from 40 points to 34 points doesn't help them if he's scoring 10. It's like, true. It, uh, so Will Barton has the trigger, and if Gary doesn't have it, if Gary's still rusty, because Gary was finally getting his shot back. That's what sucked about the season ending when it did. Right. Was Gary Harris was finally, after a season where his shot had just like run away from him and hit under the couch, it was finally coming back, and it was nice to see him being healthy, playing defense, being able to make a shot. You know, and uh, if that's not there, if that's gone again, then it's Will all the way because Will is willing and able to score. He will do that as much as you want, and he's played just fine defense this year. He's totally playable as a defender as well as he's a two-way player. Yeah. We're going to see how far we can push that. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about him in a playoff environment where he has right. to it's, also it's, carry an offensive it. load. Uh, but we're going to see. I'm, I'm looking forward to that matchup. Uh, at least those guys are on the same team, but like it could go either way for me. Uh who plays more playoff minutes between Monte Morris and Tory Craig? Uh, Tory Craig, probably. Yeah, I'm going to say Tory too. Just not again, not not a knock on Monte or anything, but I think Jamal nope. Murray's going to play like 40 minutes a game. So, there's... and you've got Will Barton who can play like you know, could handle the ball. Right. He's not a, he's not necessarily your point guard, but he can handle the ball, create the offense. You know. Score with it off the, you know, if you're playing him with your bench, 
So that gives you two guys who can do that. It's going to be really close. I think they're both probably going to be about like 12 minutes a game. 10 to 12 That's why I matched them up together. Yeah. Because I think yeah. that, that makes a lot of sense. I think those guys are they're going to be in an interesting situation. They're going to get a couple stretches. They'll get two six-minute stretches a game or whatever. Like That's mm-hmm. going to be what it's going to be. Um, I know that Torrey Craig is, is one of Malone's crutches in terms of defense, in terms of, hey, you need to find a big point of attack defender, somebody who can defend the opposing team's perimeter player really well. Uh, Torrey Craig does that. He he fills his role well, but there are going to be situations when he's out there that he kind of hurts the offense. Monte Morris is the opposite. Like He may be the guy who really helps the offense go in certain situations when Murray is off the floor, but he could hurt the defense because there are going to be teams that are going to pick on him just due to his size. Like I, I am sure, absolutely positive, that any time that Morris is out there against the Houston Rockets, the Rockets are going to try and get either Russell Westbrook or James Harden switched on to him so that yeah. they can go to work. So much, he's skinny, man. Like He's not short necessarily. You know, he's what, 6'2 or so? Like he's yeah, not, he feels smaller than that. Like he feels like he's Ty Watson sized. He's not, he's bigger than Ty Watson, but he's just, he doesn't have the weight. Right. Yep. He's, point guards, point guards that are small. They, they generally get played off the floor in a lot of these situations. Well, especially against guys who are a lot of the guys now in the playoffs are shooting guards who are playing point guard, you know, so you're playing bigger dudes. Like it's, you know, guys who are six, four to six, six out there. As point guard, like Jamal Murray. I mean, that, he's the perfect example of of, of a right. today's point guard, right? Jamal Murray's six three, uh, and and is a a combo guard, but is is now nowadays is just a uh, your your starting point guard. I think what's interesting about the Monty Morris and Torrey Craig thing and what you said there, Ryan, is if you looked at last year's playoffs, uh, it's quite the opposite on offense, right? Torrey Craig actually Torrey Craig, um, was yeah. pretty good, and and Monty yep. Morris did not hit a single three the entire. Uh, the entire playoffs. So like it's true that if that happens, you're going to have, yeah, you're definitely going to see Tory get more minutes. It's and but what we know about Tory Craig, we've seen plenty of Tory Craig, not in that single uh, playoff or postseason from last year to know that he can certainly struggle from three. And if he does, it makes it really hard to play him. So if, if one of those guys isn't shooting well from the outside, that's going to be the guy who gets, gets the fewest minutes for sure. All right, let's go with another matchup. Who plays more playoff minutes between Paul Millsap and Jeremy Grant? Grant. Mm. Yeah, that's a tough one too, though. Because man, uh, it, I, I, I want to go. I go. I was, lean Grant too. That was my my thought. My initial if it was thought. definitely like the end of the season, then I would say Grant because Millsap's tired. Right. Like you're gonna try to save him, give him his twenty twenty five minutes a game. You know, um, now that he's had three months to rest, maybe you don't have to worry about that. Um, And maybe you can play him a little longer. Um, But I just, I expect it to be Grant. I expect them to be able to use Grant with both lineups, you know, starters and uh, the bench. Um, He'll fit in where you need him to. And he should have all the gas you need as a young man in his prime who just had a giant break. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to change my opinion. I'm going to go, I'm going to say Millsap because I think in this unique scenario coach is going to lean on his most veteran player um quite a bit and and have and use him as the steadying force out there so i actually think maybe he'll end up giving Millsap more minutes this one is so close to me because you have arguments for both guys that's a great argument for him zach that hey you want your guys who you know you can count on in weird situations where you're gonna be steady grant he while he is one of the most versatile players on this Nuggets roster in terms of his ability to cover various guys. Sometimes you just need somebody who you know is going to grab a rebound. Somebody who you know is going to D somebody up in the post one-on-one. Maybe you need a little bit more size down there now that Nikola Jokic is like 60 pounds. So uh, <laughs> it, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think Grant, you can play at the three though and at the five yep. in terms of being a backup five. So I would probably lean Grant but both of those guys are going to play uh, more than a combined 48 minutes, if you know what I mean. It it depends how much they play Mason Plumlee, honestly. Like, yep. if Mason doesn't play, then then and Millsap's soaking all those minutes, then yeah, I, I hear you. But if, if um, you can only have 
power forward minutes for Millsap because Plumlee's getting his 12 minutes a game as Jokic's backup, then it's not going to be there for him. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, last one before we get into our, our final, final segment. Um, who plays more playoff minutes between Mason Plumlee and Michael Porter Jr.? That's another good one. This is going to be... Oh, so many ways it could go. I'm going to say Michael Porter Jr. I'm going to have faith that he's going to show out in these these season games. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and he's basically... But, but here's the thing. If Michael Porter Jr. gets significant minutes, at, it's it's an either or, right? Like one of these guys is yes. going to get minutes and one of them is not going to play at all. Like that's right. That's basically how this is going to work. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm, I'm hoping that it's Michael Porter Jr., um, like it makes sense for it to be Michael Porter Jr. But I mean, it, it Plumlee is, you know, he's the vet. He is trustworthy. Um, he struggled in last year's playoffs. So it's not the, um, you don't have the same scenario that you had with Torrey Craig where he was good last year and now he's a tested playoff veteran. And so Malone's going to play him like it, Plumlee struggled last year. Um, and so maybe that gives you the chance to play the kid. But it's the playoffs, and can you trust a rookie who has barely any playing experience to go in there against the best teams in all the land, you know, and and hold up his end of the bargain? I don't know. Um, I would like to think it's going to be Michael Porter Jr. because, in my opinion, if Mason Plumley gets more minutes than Michael Porter Jr., the Nuggets are going home early. Yeah, I think the argument there for Porter especially is just the the factor of variance where you don't know yeah. necessarily what you're going to get but you do know what you're going to get from Mason and it could be good and it could be bad it just kind of depends on how things progress with Porter it could be awful or it could be great and that disparity it kind of it kind of says it all because in in the potential first round opponents that the Nuggets could play You've got the Utah Jazz, who are going to match up Gobert with Jokic in as many minutes as possible. Their backup center is Tony Bradley. You have the OKC right. Thunder, who have Steven Adams and Nerlens Noel. Noel, slightly dangerous. Can Jeremy Grant or Paul Millsap guard him? I believe so. Houston, that's that's a joke. Like They're not going to play anybody above 6'7". They're not playing Isaiah Hartenstein. That's, that's a joke. And then the Dallas Mavericks, when Kristaps Porzingis is off the floor... Their bigs are Maxi Kleba, and that's pretty much it. So you're, you're going to be in a situation where you're not going to face a lot of bigs. You're not going to be in a situation where you have right. to play Mason Plumlee a lot of the time, and you they may don't need have two Michael large seven foot men out there to hurt you. Yeah, yeah. So I'm 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 interested by that one because I think that will say a lot about where the Nuggets are with both players because Michael Porter Jr. Future of the Nuggets, one of the most important pieces that they have, that they have, they believe he's going to be a star, have to give him opportunity to prove himself at some point. And if you're Mason Plumley, he's on an expiring contract. The Nuggets have Jokic locked up long term. Uh, they have other guys that they're going to need to play in Jeremy Grant and, and Paul Millsap. They're going to need to pay at least one of those guys to be the starting power forward. So, it, they could be in a situation where, hey, they, they want to see the guys that they know we are going to be there next year. And if they don't think the Plumlee is going to be there next year, then it's it hard sell to play the dude. Right. Right. But we'll see. Like, again, it there's there's weirdly a long time to go between now and then. It's yeah. Hey, seven weeks from now is when the thing is starting and then there's going to be another two weeks of regular season games. And that's, that's a whole two And then months. a first round. Yeah. Uh, yep. First round. And then maybe they get, if the nuggets are lucky enough, they'll get to the second round so they can test themselves against the Los Angeles team. And I'm looking forward to those matchups. If they can get them, I think that they can beat any first round opponent. They get, they come up against. I think they should be favored in every single one. Uh, but we're going to see, we're going to see how that progresses guys. Do you have anything before we get out of here? I am um, no, I'm I'm good, man. I'm I'm, I'm just gonna I'm see how much this bear is really worth. It might be, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this bear for the money. Oh, I gotta goes. love it. That if that there's any Lakers fans listening, and you know, are, are interested <laughs> in pitching me a price, just just hit me up on Twitter. 
keep in mind that Zach does have two kids, and he definitely definitely had those kids after he received this abstinence bear. So we're just going to... If you think it's a magic talisman, it is not. Yes. <laughs> we're just going to leave that there. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Denver Stiff Show. Make sure to tune in next week as we're, we'll continue to talk about the, the playoff conversation as it continues to evolve. Nikola Jokic is felt... We are excited to see it. It's going to be interesting to see, or at least some of us are excited, and we'll see We'll see where it pans out from there. But I'm looking forward to seeing what this Nuggets team continues to do. Guys, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.